Good evening. It is good to see each of you. If you're a guest, uh, we welcome you. We're thankful that you're here. You're an encouragement to us. When we think about the wonderful day that we've had, uh, we simply have to say that it would be glory be to God in that. There is a Sunday p.m. slide. That one might would work, but if, if you can find the, the PM, there'd be a lot more slides in line, and if not, we'll make it work. No, no problem there. What a marvelous day. Uh, the We Are the Sermon Day is a great success. Uh, we thank everyone that helped lead, and there are so many in this congregation that worked for several days, lining up the work, making sure supplies were in place, making sure that classes were coordinated. And to all of you, uh, we thank you. And we give God the glory for all the good that has taken place. And we hope and we pray uh, that great good has been done and that seeds have been planted that will make a difference in the lives of individuals and that individuals will know the love of God a little bit more. I think about uh, talking to Miss Womack as her yard was being transformed and she knew of course about the theme of we are the sermon day and she motioned out toward her yard and she says there's a lot of sermons out there right now what a beautiful thought and that's all that we want to accomplish on this day is to serve others because we love them and we love God and for that is a great success. For the wonderful slide presentation, we appreciate Hardison Moles. Uh, he spent all afternoon, literally from the, the moment church was over uh, this morning uh, till right before it began, uh, he spent all afternoon creating that and we appreciate his work in that and the great success that that is. As we think about uh, just a few reminders, remember from this morning, uh, that we want to continue to flood David Malakote with uh, a lot of birthday cards and his birthday is Tuesday. He's in Tampa, Florida. The address is inside your Sunday bulletin. Be sure and take advantage of that and get a card off to him in the morning and continue to pray for him and his family. I mentioned Miss Womack a while ago. We need to be sure, and I'm sure a lot of you are, but we need to be mindful of that family and pray for Tom as he is in live hospice at Patterson Street in Nashville. And speaking of prayer, that takes us to a lot of exciting news that we look forward to this next week. You as classes have decided today when you want to pray on prayer day. And so let me remind you of a couple of things and then I will tell you what you guys decided in classes this morning. Wanting to continue to encourage you uh, to look inside your Sunday bulletin. There's a tab that you can tear off there. There's a perfect place to make prayer requests. Try your best to have these back by Wednesday night, but if not, you can turn them in next Sunday also. And of course, if you want a sheet of paper larger than that, uh, we want you to put anything that you want us to be praying about. Also note uh, that those can be turned in at each end of the foyer underneath the prayer boards or or baskets and once those are prayed and by the way any of you men that are going to be leading prayers next week encourage you to take all the personal requests and put them back on the prayer board so that we all month in November can go by and take prayer requests home with us and pray for them and then bring them back for others to take and pray. And it's just a wonderful opportunity for us to honor the request of others and a wonderful opportunity for our request to be prayed many, many, and many times. With that in mind, we do want to remind you that the elders will be meeting at four o'clock just with themselves and the shepherds of our souls will be praying for us. 
And so if you have anything specifically that you want them to be praying about, of course, this would be confidential. And that box that you can submit those is at information center there. And you can put those there and the elders will be praying for all of us uh, at, at four o'clock on Sunday. And we look forward to that. The time that your class has chosen to pray, if that's not the best time for you, this is why we're showing you these next couple of slides. We want you to jump in at any time during the day. And the truth is, I would hope that there would be several that would want to pray more than once during that day for that hour. And you may want to join in with other classes to have the opportunity to pray more than once. But you see these times. If Go back, if you would, just real quick. Notice at 8 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, and 1 o'clock are these, and we will have these printed in the mail-out bulletin as well as the Wednesday night announcements as well as the Sunday bulletin. And then as we go to the next slide, we say all the rest of the classes has chosen 5 o'clock in the afternoon. So be sure and find your place that works best for you in that particular uh, schedule for you. When we think about the topic this morning and we think about pride versus humility and and on the surface we could easily throw that out and say well as Christians we know that what we want to do is avoid arrogance and we want to be humble people and that's just that but it's not just that this is one of our greatest battles if we could truly be humble it would move us toward God and it would move us toward God in the right spirit that God could work in our lives and do wonderful and powerful things because it's never about us it's us being all about God and all about God's people and all of the people that God has created. And so with that this morning, we looked at Luke the ninth chapter and in that we saw that the apostles were having an argument and the argument was over superiority. At the end of verse 46 of Luke the ninth chapter, we see that they were arguing about who was the greatest. But then we see it was an issue of the heart in verse 47 as Jesus literally looked to them and, and he looked inside their heart and we talked this morning about the fact that really it's not just how we act because what we are going to do and say and think is going to be what is in our heart and so we want to be able to have a heart that is humble so that we will not be acting humble we will be humble and we realize when we read verse 48 that this is a God issue Jesus made it very clear we can be humble and receive Jesus and the opposite is true if we reject humility we reject Jesus Christ. And so this isn't a light thing and it's not an optional thing if in fact we say, my goal is to go to heaven. My goal is to have a right relationship with God. My goal is to be what God has created me to be. So tonight let's look at a topical lesson and let's ask the question or consider this statement. Every Christian is created for ministry. What is ministry? Ministry is the idea of service. The word minister means servant. And so you say, well, why were we created? The Lord created us for ministry. Now, where we make the mistake is when we think that ministry ties in to just the fact of somebody that's a paid employee. That's not the idea of ministry in the scriptures at all. Or if we look and say, well, ministry is for those that might be a deacon and they are the ones involved in ministry. God, his plan is for every person to use their life in ministry to him. And so let's look at what this might look like. Number one, 
you were saved from ministry. Ephesians, the second chapter, verses 1 through 10, is a powerful paragraph that talks about the transformation in our life. Verses 1, 2, and 3 talks about when we were overcome with the trespasses of sin. And it describes a bleak and a dark life. But then we come to verse 4, and there was a powerful transformation. And notice the beginning of verse 4. It began with, but God. That's the power in transformation. And he writes about the rich mercy, the great love, and the grace that saved us. That's what God can do for us. God can bring us that mercy, that love, and that grace that will save us. And so now we drop down to verse 10. And notice what he says in verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now we know that God created us the first time physically, but you realize what this is teaching is that God creates us or wants to create us a second time. And that second time is spiritually. In other words, if you can say tonight, and it be true, I am a child of God, I'm saved. I am faithful to God. He has saved me. Well, then you are a product of Jesus Christ. You see the word workmanship there? That's what the word workmanship is. In other words, the pew you are sitting in, it is the workmanship of someone. The clothes you are wearing, they are the workmanship of someone. And so you look at that pew and you say, okay, so someone made it. Why did they make it? What is it for? Well, it's for individuals to set in. Okay, now let's go back. You're saved. Who made you saved? Jesus Christ did it. You couldn't do it on your own. If you're saved, it's because you are the workmanship of Jesus Christ. Well, if you are a product of Jesus Christ, what is this product for? The pew is made to set in. What are you made for? Look, he says it very clearly. You are created in Christ Jesus for good works. Listen, just like we talked about humility is not an option, servanthood is not an option either. If we are saved, we were saved for a purpose. God says, I have a kingdom, I have work to do, and we love the world around us, and we want to reach them. Well, Lord, how are we going to reach them? We're going to serve. That's how we're going to work. That's how we're going to reach them. I want all of those that are saved, that are part of my family, part of my kingdom, I want every one of them to be ministers. You and I were saved to minister. Now listen, I'm not saying this to like criticize you. I'm just saying if your mindset about being saved has been something else, I want you to use the scriptures tonight to challenge your thinking. You weren't saved to coast, to just be religious, to just say, well, now I feel relieved and that's all that matters is me. We were saved to become a part of a cause that's far greater than any of us individually. And if we believe in that cause, the Lord says, that's why I saved you, so that you could work in the cause. We're saved for that, but also notice the next slide, we're gifted for ministry. Look at 1 Peter, the fourth chapter and verse 10. Very clearly spoken. Every phrase here is very clear and distinct. As each one, so that's everybody here, has received a gift. There's not anyone here that the, our God, when he made you, did not give you a gift. Now what's that gift to be used for? Minister it, that word servant, minister, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. 
Why do you have a gift? It's a part of God's graciousness. He wanted to make sure that everybody in the family had a place. And so he gives everyone a gift, a place to serve. Now what are we supposed to do? Minister it so we can serve ourselves? No, we minister it to one another. So we were saved and we were gifted for ministry. But notice this third one. You are also authorized for ministry. You remember just before Jesus ascended into heaven, in Matthew the 28th chapter and verse 18, he reminds them or informs them, Jesus came and he spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I commanded you. Don't you love this line? And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Isn't that awesome? He begins by saying, listen, all authority has been given to me. I have the authority to commission you with what I'm about to commission you. Okay, Lord, what, what do you want us to do? Is it something little? Oh, no, it's huge. It's magnificent. Okay, Lord, what do you want us to do? I want you to make sure that everybody on this earth has the opportunity to learn what it would require for them to be a disciple and what the reward would be for them if they would do so. Well, Lord, how are we going to do that? You're going to have to go. And you're going to have to talk. Teach them about baptism. And once they've done that, continue to talk with them and study with them and teach them to observe all things. Lord, this, this seems almost too big. Don't worry. I'm with you. You're not going out there alone. I'm with you every step of the way. Wow. So we have been authorized for ministry. Not an option to ministry, authorized for ministry. The next slide, we learn that we are taught for ministry. We'll mention this one just quickly because it's so similar to what we studied this morning. But this is another one of those times where the apostles were wrestling about what, about being the greatest and etc. And so the Lord says to them in Matthew 20, 26, 27, 28, yet it shall not be so among you. Whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. Whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Don't you love this line? Just as the Son of Man did. Not to come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. You want to be like Jesus? Serve. You want to be great? Realize Jesus says, I want you to be great too. Well, how do we become great in the kingdom? The greats in the kingdom are servants. He says, I want you to be great. Now, let's get busy and let's serve. Number five, you were prepared for ministry. Do you realize when God designed the church, he designed the church with leadership. Now in the very infancy of the church, we read in Ephesians 4 and 11 about a few of the leaders in the infancy of the church. And he himself gave some to be apostles and some prophets. But notice as the church matures, he gave some to be evangelists, we usually call those preachers today, but evangelists and some pastors, oftentimes we call those elders and teachers. So then we pause there and say, okay, why did God put these leaders into place? Well, notice what they're to do. Let's finish this sentence here. Well, we're actually not finishing it, but let's go on with this sentence into 12. For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. What is the leadership to do? The leadership is to provide opportunities to serve that will build up or edify the body of Christ and to equip the people to be able to have that opportunity to serve that builds up the church. 
God's plan was to perpetually prepare. I had to work this afternoon to be able to say that, by the way. So that leadership would always be providing the followers preparation for ministry. I'm not saying by any stretch of the imagination that today is that in its fullness. But today was one example of that. Leaders all throughout this congregation made it available for everyone that wanted to be involved to have a place to serve. Wasn't that thoughtful and godly and wise on their part? For those that didn't have the strength to do physical labor that, that would be more demanding physically, they found ways to offer you to be involved that were less demanding. And for those of you that like to be outside and you like to do things that are more demanding, they found ways for you to do that. For others inside, isn't it wonderful that you have leaders among you that are simply trying their best to do what God would want us to do in our view and participation of ministry. Number six, you are needed for ministry. We studied the last half of this this morning in 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. Let's back up now to the 17th verse and notice this. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were the hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? This is in the context of individuals thinking, I'm not really that important. Maybe I'm not needed at the Mount Juliet congregation. It's a pretty large congregation and other people are going to do it. And God would say, no, no, no. One part of the body shouldn't look at another part of the body and say, because of them, I'm not needed. Now that's exactly what the Lord is saying here. No one here should be saying, because of them, I'm not needed. But we should realize God has placed every one of us in the body just the way he wants us to be. Now, we have to decide if we're going to be in activity, in ministry, in service as God wants us to be. But God has given you the gift he wants you to have in this place with the opportunities he wants you to have. And so every one of us must realize tonight you are needed in ministry. That's God's plan. That's what he has written passage after passage to help us see. And then please notice this, you'll be rewarded according to your ministry. Remember Matthew the 25th chapter, there's three lengthy discussions about the day of judgment. And the middle discussion is what we oftentimes call the parable of the talents, the five, the two, and the one talent. Remember the five talent and the two talent, they took what was offered to them, five and two talents, and they used them for the master. And when the master came back again, which in this story is likened to the day of judgment, when the master came back again, they had used for the benefit of the master their talents. And so for example, in Matthew 25 and 23, notice what was said. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things, enter into the, the joy of your Lord. But then there was the one talent man and he knew that his master was coming back and so he was gonna play the safe card. And so what he did was buried his talent so that when the master come back, he could go uncover and say, here it is. And you know, the master is always gonna say, you didn't use it? 
You didn't benefit my cause. I could have put it in the bank and drawn interest and come out better than what you did with it. How's the Lord feel when he gives us abilities or talents? And those talents might represent abilities. They might represent other resources. They might represent opportunities. They might represent energy. How does God feel whenever we have those things and we don't use it for his glory? We don't use it in his kingdom. Well, here's what he tells this man in 30. And cast the unprofitable servant. Notice that phrase, unprofitable. There was no profit to the kingdom into the outer darkness. There'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's a sobering thought. As we start bringing this lesson to a close, I want to remind you of a point that we made this morning, but I, I want to elaborate just a little bit because we're running out of time this morning. The second thing, we just looked at every Christian is created for ministry. Please note this, every ministry is important. We talked this morning a little bit about this and I must have not done a good job driving the point home because when I went around to see some of the works this afternoon, one of the deacons assured me that his ministry was more important than anyone else's ministry. So we're gonna try this again, okay? Every ministry is important. And in 1 Corinthians 12, beginning at 21, we read this this morning. We studied it, maybe not in depth is the right words to say, but we studied several of the verses and phrases out of 21, 22, 23, 24, and 25. And this is where he flips the coin over. Just as we talked just a few moments ago, the first part of this paragraph is talking about, oh, so you think you're not needed. And he's saying, absolutely, you're needed. Now he flips it over and he says, oh, so you think you're real important and other people aren't needed. And this is where he says, you are wrong. Every member in the Lord's body, and he's talking about their function, because this is a whole passage about the body and its function. And so he's saying every member's gift is important and needed. And so the Lord through Paul here is pleading for us to value each other. With that in mind, I'd like for you to think with me. I tried to think up some illustrations that might just simply illustrate this. And maybe this works and maybe it doesn't, but just be patient with me. I want you to think for just a moment. What if someone said to you, you can only have one light? One light. And all the other lights about your property. We're talking about your property, not the whole world. Your property, where you live. You can have one light. Which light do you want? Hmm. We're all light in God's kingdom. Every light's important. So which one are you going to go for? Ah, the living room light. It's kind of in the center part of the house. Okay. Good luck driving home with a vehicle that has no lights. And when you go to make a call on your way home, driving in the dark, and you don't have the backlight on your cell phone either. And then tonight, when you get up in the middle of the night, you know that, you know that little light that you don't really think about until the old nightlight isn't burning anymore and you stump your toe? And then you're not going to have that light either that you really treasure because it's the one that, you know, you don't have to turn on any of the other lights. You can sneak in late at night and it's that refrigerator light. It's gone too. 
And that, that oven light, does anybody still use their oven? Just kidding. And then when, when you think about, what about you hear a noise outside? Well, that living room light might be nice, but you would really like to have your floodlights when you hear that noise outside. And then isn't it convenient when you hit the garage button and the light's on waiting for you as you drive into the garage? But you see, you don't get those because you know how it is. One light's more important than all the other lights. And that one light that's so important says, we don't need you other lights. I'm the main light around here. Nobody else is needed. We understand real quickly that there are so many ways that the lights are used that we need them all and a lot more than what I've mentioned to you. Do you realize there's 7 billion people in this world? And there are thousands in this community that are living in darkness. And one light isn't going to reach them. We need lights that are going to look real different as they go to school tomorrow to teach and to coach. We need lights that look real different from each other that go into schools as students. We need lights that look real different as they go and work tomorrow as landscapers or as bankers or in the medical field or in accounting or, or wherever you may be working. Our lights, oh, it's all for God's glory and it's all under his truth. But the truth is, we're not going to look alike in the way we shine. He's made us all very different with different opportunities. What God is trying to get us to see in 1 Corinthians 12 is that together we can light up a world. But if we really believe that other lights aren't needed, we'll literally suppress the light and keep parts of the world dark. So in other words, we are dependent upon each other. We really are. And so in 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter in verse 26... And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Then you skip down to verse 31. And the last verse of this chapter says, But earnestly desire the best gifts. And yet I show you a more excellent way. And that excellent way is the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians, which is the love chapter. And it was literally God saying to us, I'm trying to show you how to live your life with the gifts. I'm trying to show you how to minister. And what you must understand is you need each other. You are important. And everybody that is in God's kingdom together is important. There's no unimportant ministry. There's no unimportant gift. And the truth is, you're dependent upon each other. You need each other. Do we believe it? We mentioned this morning that's like a puzzle. And if we all come together, we could look like Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. In just a moment, we're going to read the last couple of verses out of Ephesians 3 and the lesson's yours. Just before we do this, I'd like to remind you of a quote. Napoleon once looked at a map that was lying open and he pointed to China. And he says, there lies a sleeping giant. If it ever wakes up, it'll be unstoppable. 
I wonder how often the Lord looks down upon us and He says, if they ever become humble and start working together for my glory, they're going to be unstoppable. I really wonder what we could do if we simply did everything God meant for us to do. Because we don't go alone. In Ephesians, the third chapter, in verse 20, it's because of his power. This is the close of a prayer that Paul prayed. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Now it's God that can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we ask or think. But notice, He does it through the power that works in us. To Him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Do we see the power in this community do we see the power in the work that we're involved in? Because we see a power that's far greater than us because we humbly say, Lord, here I am, send me. I'm thankful to be a part of the Mount Juliet congregation. I'm thankful to be a part of a congregation where people are always ready to be used. Let's be focused and let's be humble. It's not about us. It's all about God and shining our light. That's His light to reach a world that is in darkness. We really do want to fulfill that. So tonight, if you're here and you're in darkness, I'm telling you, you're in a good place because there are hundreds of people around you that they would love to help you and to pray for you and to serve you in any way that we can that will help you grow closer to God. If you're ready tonight to be baptized into Christ because you're a believer willing to repent of sins and confess those that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, we'd love to assist you with that tonight. It'd thrill us and we know it'd thrill the Father in heaven. Maybe you have begun that journey. Along the way, you've lost sight of that journey and you want to come back to Him tonight. You know, I can't be a faithful servant of His if I'm not His. Let's make sure that tonight we all leave here as a faithful servant of His.